Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Cornerstone. We are doing the second talk of our Fruit of the Spirit. So the title of this talk is God's Promises, The Fruit of the Spirit is Joy. We will be having Irene uh, Masters talking about the fruit of joy with us. So Irene, over to you. So the definition of joy, the dictionary says that it's pleasurable emotion due to well-being or satisfaction. It's a state of being highly pleased. And then it went on to a spiritual aspect is an inner quality produced by the work of the Holy Spirit and is grounded in God. So there are two aspects to joy. There's the what we call the worldly or the physical type of joy. And then you have the spiritual joy. One thing about the fruit which is different from the gifts. Gifts are given, but fruit are produced according to the right conditions. And it's a process and it takes a period of time. It's not instant. You know, fruit doesn't just appear. You know, one day there isn't fruit and then the, the next day the fruit are all there. It's, it's a process that the, the, the tree or the plant has to go through. So fruit signifies the true state of the tree or the vine or the plant. If the fruit isn't very good, it means there's something wrong. Or if there are no fruit at all, then there is something wrong with the tree or the plant. So it shows what state the tree is in. Fruit benefits others, not the tree. It's other people that pick the fruit and eat it. So the fruit that's being produced is basically for the benefit of other people around us and for the glory of God. In the Old Testament, uh, the people of Israel were told to worship God with joy. They went through many trials and difficulties. They were in captives. They were in slavery. There were wars. There were diseases. All these things. But they could still worship God with joy because the basis of their joy was God's promises to them. So in Deuteronomy 26, verse 18, it says, The Lord has declared this day that you are his people, his treasured possession, as he promised. He has declared that he will set you in praise, fame and honour, high above all nations. He will set you in praise, fame and high honour above all nations he has made and that you will be a people holy, set apart to the Lord your God as he promised. There were conditions for that joy to be cultivated. Obedience, remaining focused on God, looking to him, trusting and relying on him and believing his promises and putting them into practice. It's easy to sometimes to believe with the head or with the heart, but it's putting it into practice that makes the difference. The law was given not so that the people of Israel could become God's special people, but because they already were. The law showed how holy and just God is. It revealed his character, and keeping the law is impossible without God, and it could not make people acceptable to him because they already were. 
So the law cannot bring about joy just by keeping the law doesn't bring joy. The joy is there before because of who they are and God's promises. In Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 17, it says, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. That was the source of the Israelites' joy, no matter what hardships they were going through. God was telling them that they were still his special people, precious to him. And this was when they were in captivity, taken out of the land that they loved and that God had said was their land as their inheritance. They'd been taken away. They were in a foreign land and the prophets were sent to them to encourage them, to let them know that they were still his special people, that they were still precious to him, no matter what the difficulties they were going through, that he is the same, he hasn't changed his mind. So this would be the source of their joy, not the keeping of the law. In the New Testament, this special relationship is extended to all who will believe and trust in Jesus. Jesus revealed God's character in practice. As believers in Jesus, God has put his Holy Spirit in each one to produce the fruit, God's character in each of us. As with the law, the fruit cannot make us acceptable to God. It's not the fruit that makes us acceptable. It's because we are acceptable to him, because we are special to him because of his presence, that the fruit is formed. He has already made us acceptable and placed us in Christ. The fruit is the proof of our position in Christ. Because we are in Christ, the Holy Spirit will bring his character, fruit of his character, to be formed in our lives. Without Jesus, without being in Christ, that won't happen. It's as we are in Christ that the fruit is formed. As with the law, the fruit cannot make us acceptable to God because he has already made us acceptable and placed us in Christ. The fruit is the proof of our position. Hebrews 1 verse 3 says, The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Also, Paul wrote to the Colossians, saying he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, and God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things. When the, the disciples went out, Jesus sent them out to go into the surrounding villages to teach about the kingdom of God and to heal diseases, etc. And they came back and it said they were rejoicing because even the demons were subject to them. And Jesus said, don't rejoice that the demons are subject to you, that the cause of your rejoicing is that your names are in the Lamb's Book of Life and no one can take that. There isn't a rubber. God doesn't have a rubber in heaven to take our names out and say, oh, no, that was a mistake. I'll rub that one out. If our book name is in the Lamb's Book of Life, it's in the Lamb's Book of Life. 
And when we think of Jesus's parables, what brought great joy in all the parables of the lost coin, the lost son, all those other things, what caused joy in heaven for the angels to rejoice? It's when a sinner repented and became a child of God. That is what brings joy, that we belong to him, that we're his and nothing and no one can take that away from us. In his prayer in John 17, Jesus said, I in them, that's us, and you in me, that's the Father in Jesus. We are one with God and that is the source of joy as the Holy Spirit reveals that truth to our hearts. In Christ Jesus, we have been set free. Not will be set free one day, but because he lived the perfect life and took our punishment and has risen to show that Satan is defeated and has no power over him. And because God has placed us in Jesus, we have that freedom now because we're in Christ and Christ is free. So if Christ is free, then we are free. His victory is our victory. His perfect life is our perfect life. In the same way that in Adam, we inherited, he passed on separation from God, death to us. We inherited that sinful nature from Adam. So it's like in Adam, everybody died, were cut off, separated. But in Jesus, when we are placed in Jesus, we've become a new creation. We've been born again of the spirit. And now all that Jesus accomplished, we have inherited. So in the same way that Adam passed on, we inherited Adam's sin. In Christ, we inherit his perfection, his holiness, his righteousness, his beauty, his authority, his power. Everything that is his is ours. Now, not just when we go to be with him, but we have been placed in Christ now. And that is our position. Paul wrote to the Ephesians that God chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight and because we are in him we work together with him to bring the message and to minister his reconciliation by revealing God's character to the world around us as God is in us through Christ and he's revealing his character people around us will see the character of God they will see God in us and want to come to him and to know him for themselves Peter said in his letter we are a chosen people a royal priesthood a holy nation a people belonging to God that we might declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light as we hold on to declare and live by the truth of all the promises of God, as the Holy Spirit keeps reminding us of them, that is what produces the fruit of joy in our lives, as we are filled with thankfulness 
that Jesus had taken that curse that became Adam's and he has put the blessing of Jesus. We are now under that blessing. We have so much to give thanks for. And as we give thanks, as we praise, that stirs up joy within us. No circumstances, no difficulty, no pain, no suffering, either from the past or the present, can take away that joy. Why? Because it's impossible for Jesus to become uncrucified. It's a done deed, it's done, finished. He can't become uncrucified to take away our joy and that hope and the promises that we have. And it's impossible for him not to have taken all our guilt upon himself because he's already done it. It's a done deed, it's finished. Or to become no longer resurrected because he is resurrected so that Satan is no longer defeated. Satan is defeated. Jesus defeated him when he rose from the dead. That cannot be undone. It cannot be made as if it hasn't happened. So joy is being sure and confident in what Jesus has done and in all the promises God has made to all who believe. That's the source of our joy. So what are the conditions to make sure that the fruit of joy is produced in our lives? Well, we have to be connected to Jesus. You know, we have to be in Christ. We have to have believed in him and then been placed in him, like being grafted onto the vine, as Jesus explained in John chapter 15. So God cuts us off from Adam and he grafts us into Jesus so that the life of Adam is no longer flowing through us. That's been cut off. It's now the life of Jesus that's flowing through us. Jesus said, remain in me and I will remain in you. As we are connected to him, as we're rooted and grounded in him, he becomes part of us and we become part of him. It's like when you put sugar in tea. Is the sugar in the tea or is in the tea in the sugar? You can't distinguish. And once it's all mixed up, you can't say, well, here's the sugar and here's the tea because it's all become one. And that's the same with us in Christ. We've been stirred in and us and Christ are one. You know, we, we can't be separated. We cannot bear fruit. Uh, Jesus said, you cannot bear fruit unless you remain in me. So we have to abide in him and have his life, his sap, flowing through us, into us and through us. Paul wrote to the Colossians, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. And the important thing is that Jesus is Lord. Jesus has to be not just our saviour, but he has to be our Lord. And he is the one that we accept and follow and obey. Continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. So we need to be thankful all the time, thankful for our position in Christ. And that's what gives us the joy. 
For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ. With the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we accept, believe, and live by these great, wonderful, amazing promises. And the fruit of joy, deep, deep joy, that nothing, no circumstance we might go through can take away from us. Nothing anyone can say or do can stop what God has in mind for those that believe. And as we are filled with thankfulness for all that God has done and will continue to do, our lives become full of joy with thankfulness. We may experience unhappiness with external circumstances which hurt or grieve us or bring sorrow for a while but we can still know the joy of our salvation, which will last for all eternity. When we think of Job and all that he went through, he was still able to say, I know that my Redeemer lives. And that was his sort of source of joy, even though when you think about the suffering Job went through and his wife was saying, you know, curse God and die. But he, he held on and in his belief and in his hope. And that joy of our salvation will last for all eternity. It's not just for now, during this brief period we have in life, it's for all eternity. It cannot be taken away from us. Question one, what is the difference between joy and happiness? Question two, what can hinder the work of the Holy Spirit to produce joy in our lives? 